Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. This is Pastor Tom Holliday. We are taking a look together this week at Romans chapter 9, one of the most difficult chapters in all the Bible to understand. And because it's difficult to understand, one of the chapters whose truths can most deeply impact our lives. Remember, as we started this look at the book of Romans, we said it's a history-changing book. And to change history, you have to understand the five major truths that this book talks about. We've looked at three of them already. You have to understand the truth about sin, about salvation, about sanctification. We just looked at that in Romans 6 to 8. When you turn the corner to Romans chapters 9 through 11, you hit a fourth truth that we have to understand. You have to understand the truth about sovereignty. Sovereignty, the fact that God is in control. And then when we hit Romans chapter 12, we're going to talk about the fact that we have to understand the truth about service. Romans chapter 9 to 11 talk about the nation of Israel and how God's sovereignty is shown even in his plan that has been there for his people in the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, his plan that's there for us now in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 9, as Paul talks about God's plan, you find all the accusations almost that man brings against God. They are faced in this chapter with honesty. And I have to tell you, You won't totally understand everything that's in this chapter, but I believe you will understand God better by the end of this chapter. This is a chapter of scripture that people have been worrying about, struggling over, having anxiety over for thousands of years. Well, instead of worry, struggle, or anxiety, I invite you to faith and trust. There's doubts that you have, bring them to him and find faith and trust. In Romans chapter nine, We really deal with our image, our view of God. You know, there was a time on this planet Earth where everybody thought the Earth was flat. And at that time, it was a very comfortable theory to live with. It was safe. It was easy to understand. It it fit everybody's understanding. I think one of our problems in a passage like Romans 9 is there are a lot of us who've grown up thinking that God is flat. He's sort of safe. He's easy to understand. He fits comfortably into the pattern that we've made for him. The truth is, God is bigger than any human box that we can design. And Romans 9 is the kind of passage that's designed to break through and kick out the sides of those boxes that we've designed. The theme of the week is that God is bigger than your mind, your thoughts, any box that you've tried to put him into. And God's great honor to his creation, to us, is that he tells us things about himself that can be understood and accepted only by trust. Now, why are they understood and accepted only by trust? Because they're greater than our minds can comprehend. God's mind is greater than our mind. So obviously he can see, he can comprehend things that are greater than we can comprehend. And he tells us some of those things about himself, his his actions in this world. Now, he could have said, oh, they won't understand that. Don't tell them, they'll just get confused. But instead, he tells us and he invites us to trust. So with that in mind, let's dive into Romans chapter 9. Paul begins this chapter with a very personal statement. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. 
Paul begins Romans 9 with this very personal statement. He does the same in Romans 10 and 11. For Paul, the question of the Jewish people is not simply theoretical. It is greatly theological. It is deeply personal. And you almost feel like you fall off a cliff as you go from Romans chapter 8 to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 8 ends with this huge crescendo of praise. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But then Romans chapter 9, Paul seems to just delve into these depths of depression. I wish that, that I myself were cut off from Christ, from all those great benefits he just talked about for the sake of my people. In one way, it makes sense. As Paul talks about the greatness of God's love, he also feels in his heart a depth of compassion for those who do not understand the greatness of God's love, who aren't experiencing what he's experiencing. It's two sides of the same coin. If I have great, great depth of joy in my life, excitement because of what Jesus has done for me, it also can result in a depth of compassion for those who do not have that joy. And so Paul doesn't express anger or accusation towards his people, toward those who don't know Christ. He's in real agony. You, you may be in grief over a loved one who did not yet know Christ. And I join you in that grief. I understand that. Paul's grief was so deep, he expresses a willingness to take their place in hell. I would be cut off from Christ. Whoa. As Paul talks about his people, his chosen nation, chosen by God, he paints the picture of these people that God has chosen, adopted. They've been given God's glory. They were given the covenants, the law, the temple, the promises, the patriarchs. Even the Messiah came through this nation. And he says, in the greatness of God's choice of them, I would give even my own salvation if they would now choose Christ, because that is God's intent. In this chapter, as Paul talks through God's choice of Israel, and the fact that some have chosen not to follow Christ, he's confronting a question. The question's in verse 6, and the question is this. Did God's word somehow fail? If Israel is God's chosen people, if they do have all of these benefits, does not this mean somehow that God's word failed them? And if God's word failed them with all the promises they have in the Old Testament, couldn't God's word fail us? That's what he's really confronting here. All these promises he's just shared with us at the end of Romans chapter 8, can you really trust them? Because if God failed the people of Israel, couldn't he just fail the church now and have some other new plan that comes up? Well, Paul confronts that question head on. He has an answer. Let me read for you beginning in verse 6. It is not as though God's word had failed. Let me start that again. He says, beginning in verse 6, it is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, and then he quotes from the Old Testament, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children. I was talking here about the fact that Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and he's relating Ishmael to the natural children, his first child. It's not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. And then in verse 10, he gives us a different picture, a second picture. Not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born or had done anything, good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls. She was told, Rebekah was told, 
the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. The question behind this chapter is, did God make a mistake? And Paul's answer is no. God's word did not fail. You can trust God's word. The word failed here is a picture in the Greek language of a ship that has gone off course. God's word did not go off course. Paul says God's word did not fail. Instead, God is faithful. God is faithful. Throughout this chapter, we're going to see lessons from the lives of Old Testament people, characters. And here we learn both from Isaac and then from Jacob and Esau. From Isaac, we learn that the promise is made not to the natural descendants, but to the spiritual descendants. Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Natural descendants, those from Ishmael, those are not spiritual descendants. That's the way Paul paints the picture here. What he's saying is, being a natural descendant doesn't make you Abraham's child. Paul says that the promises of God were not broken to Israel because in actuality, those promises were not made to all the natural descendants of Israel, but only to the spiritual descendants. Now, who is a spiritual descendant of Abraham? Anyone who follows God's choice. Anyone who accepts God's plan of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, brought into this world. Only those who have a Jewish heritage are the natural descendants. But the spiritual descendants are all of those who have chosen Jesus Christ, who are following the plan of God. The sobering thing here is the Jewish nation had great advantages, but it was not enough. If you think this is just about the Jewish nation, you're missing God's point here. We too have great advantages. Now they had the advantages of the Old Testament and the temple and the fact that even that the Messiah came from Israel. We have great advantages, but it's not enough. It's not enough to be saved. You, you can't be an American and that makes you saved. You can't be born into a family where everybody is a Christian and that makes you a Christian. No, you have to choose. And to rely on your natural advantages to hope that will bring the spiritual benefit of a relationship with God is a mistake that Paul said those of his countrymen were making. With great sadness, he said they're making that. It's a mistake that, that we can make today. It's not enough to be saved to have those natural advantages. It's also not enough to guarantee effective service for Christ. All over the world, I see people who don't have the natural advantages that you and I might have, but are effectively serving Christ and making a difference in this world. Because the advantages are just tools. It's our heart, it's our choice that really makes the difference. And we learn from Isaac that God is faithful. It's not as if he rejected Israel. It's always all the way through, Paul says. It's always been the spiritual descendants of Abraham who were Israel. God's Israel. We also learn a lesson from Jacob and Esau. They were both descended from Isaac. They were born at the same time. And even before they were born, the younger was chosen to lead the older. Now, why? Why? In order that God's purpose might stand, God's purpose and election. And here we learn that election is not by our works. It is by God's will. It is by God's will. It wasn't because of anything that Jacob had done or Esau had done. They weren't even born yet. It wasn't because of anything that God saw that they were going to do, he even tells us here in these verses. It was because of God's choice. Now, he says in these verses, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Many of us have a struggle with that phrase. Remember, Esau I hated. Hated is a Hebrew idiom for preference. Jesus used it once. He said, unless you hate your father and mother and brothers and sisters, you can have no part of me. Well, he wasn't telling us, obviously, to hate someone in the phrase that we would use it. 
The word hate means you prefer above, you choose something above. And God chose Jacob above Esau. And remember that God's choice was confirmed by, was worked out in Esau's own choice. Don't forget that Esau forfeited his birthright by choosing to sell it to his brother. But that's not the focus of this chapter. The focus of this chapter is on God. And that focus reminds us that God is faithful. God will keep his promises. The fact that he gives you choice does not mean you are in control. God is in control. And the God who is in control is a faithful God. Now, here's why that's important. If somehow you were in control, you couldn't rely on God's promises because you'd be in control of his promises. You couldn't rely on the fact that God would never abandon you because somehow you were in control of that. But you're not. God is in control. And God who is in control is a faithful God. As we walk through this chapter, we're going to hit some confusing verses, some things that will make you scratch your head. But each day I'd like us to end by talking to this great and faithful God that we can trust and thanking him for who he is. Lift our eyes above ourselves and our human circumstances and get the focus, as this chapter invites us to do, on God and who he really is. So what I'd like to do, and we're going to do this each day this week, is thank God for his character. Because this chapter is all about the strength in God's character that you and I can rely on. Let's thank God for his faithfulness right now. Just take a moment to say, God, thank you. Thank you that in a world where I don't know what I can trust sometimes, and I have to sadly say I don't know always who I can trust, I can always trust you. You are a faithful God. You always keep your promises. You never break your word. God, you are always there. And so today, I decide to lean on your faithfulness, to let that be my rock, my strength. God, use my abilities, use my relationships, use everything you put into my life. I am blessed by so many things. But let the rock, let the security that's underneath all of that be your faithfulness. So that if something lets me down, even if someone disappoints me. God, I will still know that you are faithful and I will have the strength to live out the life that you called me, that you've given me to live. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to continue our look at uh, Romans chapter 9, looking at verses 14 to 18 together. 